What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins. Today is Thursday, November 17th, but it's not crossover Thursday because the Dolphins are on the bye. So instead, today we're going to be talking about things that we should be rooting for and interested in in week 11 of the 2022 NFL season. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins, your team every day here on the Locked on Network. Today is Thursday, November 17th, 2022. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is so much fun. It's easy to play. No competing against other players. It's you versus the projections available in house. You pick two to five players. And if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 extra money on your entry. It's literally 60 seconds or less to file these bets. And it's that easy. We love Prize Picks and we know that you will too. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code uh, locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. The Dolphins are off this week, which stinks, because I, you could tell me we could play the Texans tomorrow, and I'm in. I'm ready to see this team play football again. Uh, but what this does allow the Dolphins to do is take some well-earned rest. It allows the Dolphins to... Hopefully get some guys healthy and, and get ready for this final sprint. Um, I say sprint, but mar- the second leg of the marathon, if you will. You know, in a perfect world, the Dolphins will play their, their remaining seven games of the regular season, and, and then they'll get three or four playoff games. So, you know, you'll go 10 in the first half, and then you have the bye, and then you you play another 10 and then hopefully you get a bye week and then you play one more. And and that would be quite the way for this season to play out uh, for the Dolphins. But like everything's on the table. This could go any number of different ways. The Dolphins sitting at seven and three. They're one of just a handful of teams across the NFL with seven wins at this point in time. They're in good company. And uh, we get to sit back this week and watch the carnage unfold across the rest of the NFL. So, Kind of wanted to go through the college and the pro slate this week for things that are particularly relevant for the Miami Dolphins. And I dare to throw college in there because, yeah, the Dolphins don't have a first-round pick, but they still have two picks on day two. Uh, And those can be meaningful players for the Dolphins. And I think that that now that they've invested all the way into we're going to be aggressive and adding top talent, kind of bracing and drafting your drafting strategy changes a little bit, right? Like you still got to address some needs. You'll probably still go out and sign a couple guys in free agency. I don't think they will be big time spenders because it's going to be largely tending their own. Right. But you, you could add a few key pieces and especially in the later chapters of free agency, when that rolls around after say the NFL draft next year, the dolphins will be in a position to add some veterans or, um, Wait till after June 1st if, if players have June 1st cuts and make some additional contract moves. Um, but the draft itself, you could identify a few key pieces that you think on day two can help you now, or you can start drafting a year in advance. What do I mean by that? Well, a lot of teams, when they have sustained success and they're able to roll it through year over year over year over year, uh, they are able to identify players ahead of time or position rooms ahead of time that we say, realistically, we cannot retain at least one player who's a a key contributor from this position room two years from now. 
right? We have three contracts that have to be renewed. You have to factor for those guys continuing to play well. They're going to get more money. Uh, so we're, we're going to have to let somebody walk out of this room, right? So instead of waiting until that moment happens and then handcuffing yourself and saying, oh my goodness, like we have to get this locked in this offseason because if not, it's going to be a desperate game. You draft in anticipation and then those players get a year in the system to familiarize themselves with the system and learn and grow it kind of like kind of, and I don't know that this was necessarily the, the outlook and the objective with Channing Tindall, but I think about Channing Tindall as a football player. You brought back Duke Riley. You brought back Elena Roberts. Jerome Baker's still here on a big money contract. You brought back Sam McGuavin. Well, it, you're probably not going to retain all of them once again. So by picking a guy on day two in Channing Tindall and letting him have a year within the system and he kind of grows in and you don't feel like you got to throw him into the fire right away, he can develop and become the best version of himself without being exposed to some of the negative factors of being on the field before he's ready. And then hopefully when he steps on the field, he's ready for that role and he can excel in it and you replace a starter a year in advance, right? So kind of merge some i wasn't expecting to but that's usually how these things go and for the record this is iced tea today um threw some team building ideology in here as well but there's a couple games on the college schedule that i'm interested in but, but we should start with the nfl side of things any afc team that is playing an nfc opponent i'm rooting for it to lose this weekend and like yeah it's pretty early it's it's november 17th to kind of be looking at the standings and watching and rooting for losses. Cause obviously the dolphins in years past, they've put themselves in a position where they need help, right? They have to climb out of a hole. Well, they, they haven't put themselves in that position this year because they started fast and they won seven of their first 10 games. Um, but the conversation is still very much there just through a different lens. We care about seeding. We care about potential home field advantage. We, we care about winning the division. There's there's a lot of things that are relevant here for the Dolphins that um, every loss down the stretch is going to matter. I think if the Dolphins win, they'll probably need to win 12, in my mind, to win the division. And you can, you can there, there are pathways to do that even if you go up to Buffalo and lose to Buffalo in a head-to-head. I just did one yesterday on playoffpredictors.com which I had the Dolphins finishing 12 and five and the Bills finished 12 and five and the Dolphins lost to the Bills. But based on it came down to the tiebreaker was a record against common opponents. It's also worth acknowledging the Bills don't have a win in the AFC East right now. If the Bills slip one more time, they're going to play the Patriots twice, the Jets once and the Dolphins once. They're Owen two. If they slip and lose one and Miami takes a loss to the Bills, and then wins the rest, you could also have a, a tiebreaker in divisional record against Buffalo. But I think 12 is probably the magic number to clinch the AFC East. Uh, there are some scenarios that could have the Dolphins clinching as early as a win in the Chargers game, winning a playoff spot. They're they un highly unrealistic. I do not expect those uh, to materialize themselves. But... Um, just doing the math and, and let's start looking at losses and 
thinking about wins for Miami. So tonight, the Titans go to Green Bay and play the Packers. Now, the Titans aren't largely a threat for the Dolphins because the Titans are probably going to win the AFC North. The rest of the division is a dumpster fire. But what I would like to see is if you if you are going to be the five seed, if you're not going to win the AFC East, the Titans are the team that I have identified amongst all the division winners that I would most be optimistic about the matchup going into a playoff game on the road. It's the team that is further south, right? Nashville versus uh, Indianapolis would be inconsequential because it would be a dome, but that that team is a hot mess express. I don't expect that we'll see them despite their record. They're kind of floating around 500-4-5-1. Uh, Baltimore and Cincinnati, Buffalo. Um, this, is, this is the one you want. Kansas City. And they'll... Presuming that they're in the driver's seat to have a bye, but the, the the Bills could potentially chase him down if the Dolphins don't win the division as well. So if you're going to be the five seed, I'm rooting for a Titans loss against the Packers because the Titans would be the team. They had a really good run game, but their offensive line talent itself is not that good. Oh, they lost Taylor Lewan for the season. Aaron Brewer's out here playing left guard for them. They got a rookie playing right tackle. Uh, their wide receiver core and their passing game in general is is not good. You don't have a lot of weapons that you feel good about the Dolphins' ability to play main coverage against it and, and load the box and try to do what they did against the Browns, and I think they could do that. Uh, so the Titans, I'm rooting for an L against the Packers because uh, I'm rooting for the Titans to be the four seed in the event that that's the shoes the Dolphins find themselves in having to take a road trip. Um, Bears-Falcons, totally inconsequential in my mind. Uh, Panthers at Ravens. I mean, I guess you could sit here and say, well, they're playing an NFC team, so go Panthers. But this one really doesn't move the needle for me like some of these other ones will. Uh, the, the next one's a big one, but I do, I do love a good cliffhanger. So before we talk about Browns, Bills, I mean, there's some some weather components here that we'll need to keep our eye on. It should make for a er very entertaining football game, depending on what the decision is on where to go from here. I'll tell you about our friends over Blue Nile. Whether you are looking to pop the question, have a special moment or milestone to celebrate, or just want to let your love sparkle, Blue Nile can help you make your celebrations even more memorable as an original online jeweler. Blue Nile offers the largest selection of independently graded diamonds and pieces priced significantly below traditional jewelers. Looking for a piece of fine jewelry to commemorate a special milestone, but still having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Shop stress-free with Blue Nile's 100% satisfaction guarantee. All Blue Nile orders are insured and ship for free in discreet packaging. They also overnight ship if you're in a rush. Make your moment sparkle with Blue Nile. Go to BlueNile.com and use code LOCKEDON to save $50 on your purchase of $500 or more. That is B-L-U-E-N-I-L-E.com. Code LOCKEDON to save $50 on your purchase of $500 or more. BlueNile.com. Code LOCKEDON. You hate getting stuck in Black Friday crowds? Super uncomfortable. But you know what is comfortable? Shopping Tommy John's Black Friday sale from your couch. Highly recommend. Whether you want to give your loved ones Tommy John or, or you're looking to get some for yourself on Black Friday, uh, their brand, brand new Tommy John underwear, loungewear, and pajamas are uh, available right now for their Black Friday sale. With over 18 million pairs sold, giving Tommy John has become a holiday tradition. 97% of men and women 
love getting the gift of Tommy John. That's why Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics. You can shop Tommy John's Black Friday sale going on right now and get 30% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash locked on. 30% off everything now at TommyJohn.com slash code locked on. TommyJohn.com slash locked on. See site for details. So the Bills are supposed to get like five or six feet of snow (laughs) between now and Sunday. I'm not saying the Browns are going to win the football game. But if you like chaos, if you like pure, unadulterated chaos, this is the game for you. Unless they choose to move the game. They could move the game to, say, Detroit. Uh, Detroit is on the road. They're playing the Giants. Uh, But that lake effect snow is is very much a a big-time threat to this football game. And I hope they play it outdoors. uh, Because the Bills, obviously, sitting at 6-3, and uh, they imploded i think would probably be a fair statement uh, against the vikings at home last weekend to put the dolphins going into the buy in sole possession of first place in the afc east uh and the browns are a team that if you're gonna play a cold hard nose knock them down drag it out tight matchup in which the team that runs the football is probably going to move them all with the most consistency you tell me between the cleveland browns and the Buffalo Bills, who you think the team that is most capable of doing that is. Give you some stats on the Buffalo Bills right now. They, as a team, uh, are 10th in rushing for the season with 1,169 yards. Uh, But the key asterisk here is that Josh Allen is leading the team in rushing at the quarterback position by 82 yards. He's averaging seven yards per carry. The team's primary ball carrier, Devin Singletary, is averaging 4.3 yards per carry, 43 yards per game on 10 attempts. But part of what makes Josh Allen special is a lot of those runs are not designed runs. They are designed dropbacks. Contrast that to the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns, uh, in spite of modest rushing numbers against the Miami Dolphins this past week in Week 10, uh, they are still fifth in yardage and sixth in yards per attempt, and they get next to nothing from Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett, 38 rushes on the season. He's got like 150 yards versus Nick Chubb, 904. Kareem Hunt, 314. Nick Chubb averaging nearly six yards per carry. So we're obviously rooting for the Browns in this football game. It would knock the Bills down to six and four and put the Dolphins a game and a half in front of the Bills in the standings. With the Bills then the following week having to worry about a two-game road trip at Detroit, at New England, and they're home against the Jets and Dolphins. Miami obviously coming out of the bye, they play the Texans and then a two game West coast trip before they meet up in Buffalo. The more cushion you can get the better. And and because of that, we are very much invested in the Cleveland Browns winning a sloppy chaos induced snow storm of a football game. There is a part of me that hopes that that the Texans beat the commanders. Um, Just so that the Texans 
anytime you get a team that's down bad like this, right? The Texans, they are largely sitting in the same shoes the Dolphins sat in early in the season or, or last season, I should say. Uh, the Texans are seven, one, seven, and one. One, seven, and one. They tied week one against the Colts. They're one in seven cents. We know what that feels like. We know how tiresome that is. A team getting a little bit of a crack, a little bit of a break from it. Well, I would just prefer not to face a Texans team that is one eight and one for the sense that if they, if that next one is the one that flips the switch and they play an inspired game against Miami. Now I think Miami's talent is overwhelmingly positive and I'm going to pick the dolphins to win by probably two touchdowns regardless, but you know, just from a psychologically psychological standpoint, would not be nice to not be the team that you have to worry about catching the most angry version of the Texans. Rooting for the Eagles to beat the Colts. Uh, wild card implications there. The Colts, despite kind of all the chaos around this team, they fired their coach and benched their quarterback, then unbenched their quarterback and hired a new coach that's not... Yeah, okay, cool. Um, dropping the Colts to four and six. Uh, is what we're absolutely rooting for here. The big conflict game, this is the tough one for me. I, I really struggle with this game. You have the Jets and the Patriots. There's a part of me that would love to see the Patriots win again. I think for the 14th consecutive time, this would be against the Jets and head-to-head matchups, uh, which would put both teams at 6-4 and four on the season. But if you're counting playoff slots the Patriots falling to five and five also has some benefit for the Dolphins now what's a bummer is say the Bills lose to the Browns and the Jets beat the Patriots the Jets come out of week 11 in first place in the AFCs that would stink but that's also short-term loss for potential long-term gain if the Patriots get themselves worn out here and are out of the picture. Well, the Patriots, I don't think we've talked about this enough. Uh, once in the past four games, have they managed to rush for over 100 yards? Their first-round pick, Cole Strange, has been benched in each of the last two games. Uh, there have been two games since September which the Patriots have exceeded 300 yards offense. 300 yards of offense. And yet they're 4-1 and one in their last five because they played the Lions and smashed them. Uh, they smashed the Browns because the Browns turned it over four times. They got rocked by the Bears. Zach Wilson gift-wrapped three turnovers, and they played a dumpster fire Colts team. I'm unconcerned about the Patriots being any kind of threat in the AFC East, but getting them out of the picture sooner rather than later at least would have some benefits. Uh, but I believe I'm rooting for the Patriots in this game to beat the Jets and pull both of these teams down to uh, six and four. And, and the Dolphins will have a game and a half on the Patriots in the standings. They would have technically a half a game on the Jets in the standings. And then obviously we're keeping our eye on the Bills, but the, the Dolphins are currently um, a game in front. And even if the Bills win to go to seven and three, Miami will have the head-to-head tiebreaker for, for coming into week 11 when the Dolphins play the uh, Texans. No ramifications for the Dolphins from a Rams, Saints, Lions, Giants perspective. 
Uh, Raiders and Broncos. Raiders are two and seven. Broncos are three and six. Uh, let's go Raiders and let, let's kind of get both of those teams at a 300 win percentage through 10 games. And uh, you could effectively all but kiss the Broncos goodbye if that does indeed happen. And that Broncos team is, is dangerous offensively. They're a hot mess, but defensively, uh, they're the number one scoring defense in the NFL. If the Broncos, I saw the statistic this week, had scored just 18 points at the end of regulation, at the end of all nine of their games, they would be eight and one, but they are three and six. <laughs> So little perspective that that's a dangerous team that at any point could get hot with how well they're playing defense. Uh, so I'd like the Raiders to kind of give them the final nail in the coffin and, and push them down past probably the point of no return. Once you have seven losses for this year's playoffs, uh, no ramifications for Cowboys, Vikings, uh, Bengals and Steelers hoping to see the Steelers take this one and, and, kind of create a bigger divide we've talked about on the show this is separation season right teams start separating themselves from the pack uh the the teams that are winning teams getting the separation throughout november and into early december against the teams that are floating 500 uh is pretty valuable now pittsburgh you know they're three and six I don't think they have the offensive firepower to really make a run at this thing in its entirety. They, they still have to play a number of tough games. Um, they have the Ravens twice. They have the Browns with Deshaun Watson back week 18. Uh, they have to go to Indianapolis, which ain't that big a deal. Uh, they'll, they'll quietly bounce back. You know, they, they bottomed out at two and six with the loss to the Eagles after losing to the Dolphins but I am at least very mindful of Cincinnati being a team that when they're clicking and they're firing on all cylinders and they've incurred some injuries themselves, uh, they are a dangerous team as well for, for the playoff picture. So looking for let's, if you can get a, avoid a six and four Bengals team, I would take that over a avoiding a four and six dealers team. The uh, Sunday night game is the last one that we'll talk about here. Um, Chiefs at Chargers. And the Chargers, man, it, this is... This is a team that has been slammed with injuries. Rayshon Slater is out for the year. Joey Bosa is out for an extended period of time. Both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams might be back this week, but also might not be back this week. J.C. Jackson is out for the year. Well, the Chargers, they, they started a little slow at one and two. They lost to the Chiefs already in a game that they should have won. Um, they lost to the Jaguars 38 to 10. Then they went three in a row. They beat the Texans, Browns, and Broncos. And if you look at that from a strength of schedule perspective, that's not great. They lose to Seattle by 14 points. They beat the Falcons in Atlanta in a game that they should have lost, but Atlanta forced a turnover and the defender dropped the ball and gave the ball back to the Chargers to win the game and over or at the end of regulation. So well, the Chargers sitting at five and four after losing to San Francisco last week, they're not playing particularly good football right now, if I'm being honest. So they have Chiefs two games on the road before they're back at home against the Dolphins. I wouldn't mind seeing the Chargers fall to 500, but I also would not mind seeing the Chiefs fall to 7-3 and three because that would mean the Dolphins would have the same record as the Chiefs 
in what is the race for the upper echelon of outcomes for the Dolphins. We've talked about a lot about the lower echelon and wild card games and who you'd want to play and eliminating wild card contenders all throughout the course of this exercise. But really, I look at the, the Chiefs and, and if the Dolphins win the division and they do win 12 games, well, you're going to need the Chiefs to lose a couple for you to have a chance to have the one seed and get a bye in the first round of the playoffs. And then, oh, by the way, the playoffs go through Miami, and you don't have to worry about any cold-weather games at all because the Super Bowl is going to be played in, in Arizona. So um, it's a win-win type game for me. Uh, for the big picture, I think our, our statistically speaking most probable outcome is having the Chargers lose will be more beneficial. But from a big picture optimistic standpoint and upper uh, tier of outcomes that the Dolphins can have the rest of the way, uh, the Chiefs losing on the road to the Chargers would not be a bad thing. Uh, and then Monday Night Football, 49ers and Cardinals. Thank goodness we don't have to root against the 49ers anymore. It's an inconsequential game for the Dolphins. So there's that. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there, from football to basketball, soccer, and esports. They have it all at BetOnline. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. So that's the NFL slate. And that's through my perspective. And you can tell me statistically speaking or through this model or that model, there's things that dispute any of the observations that I've had. And that's fine. You know, it's, it's just more my perspective as I look about and what my confidence level is across the league. But shouting out a couple college games that you as, as Dolphins fans, I think might enjoy catching and, and watching. There, there's a handful of them. Uh, you think about the positions in which we're expecting and anticipating being needs for the Dolphins. Uh, one of those is the tight end position. We'll see what the Dolphins ultimately decide to do. They've got Mike Kosecki as an expiring contract, but you know, even Durham Smythe, you know, is he an upgradable player for the volume of snaps that he plays? Utah versus Oregon. It's 10.30 at night on Saturday night, unfortunately. So if you're an East Coast person like me, Maybe sleep in a little bit. Get yourself mentally prepared to watch a 10.30 p.m. game. Utah has a tight end, Dalton Kincaid. They have another one, Brent uh, Kite, Kite, as well, but he's injured. He's out for the year, and he's more of a, a move-around hybrid type player, almost like a Charles Clay type player. Uh, but uh, Kincaid is the inline guy, the guy who plays the traditional role uh, in the – in an NFL offense where your hands in the dirt, you're attached to the formation. And this dude's balled out this year. Uh, and against the Oregon defense that has a lot of NFL talent on it, including an inside linebacker, Noah Sewell, who would be a feasible target if you're looking for a hammer and you're the Dolphins, but probably is going to get drafted before your first draft selection comes through. Although I don't think he's played up to his full potential this year. Uh, but Kincaid, 50 receptions, 649 yards, and seven touchdowns. He leads the team in receiving uh, for a Utah team that lost has only lost twice this year. They lost at Washington State, and they lost at Florida in the season opener in the Swamp. So um, that Utah team's a good team. That Oregon team just imploded this past weekend. 
uh, kind of blew up their college football playoff aspirations against Washington. Uh, but they have a lot of talent as well. They've got a corner Christian Gonzalez for, for Oregon that I don't anticipate is going to be in play for Miami because he's probably going to be a top half of the first round pick, but he's a really good talent. Uh, Utah, another player on that team that I, I think is of note, uh, actually two. Mahamud Dibiate, he's a linebacker for them. Um, against the Oregon spread, they got an athletic quarterback in Bo Nix. They got a really good running game with some non-draft eligible guys. Um, he's a transfer from Florida. He'd be another name to watch, Mohamed Dibiate. And then uh, the corner, uh, Clark Phillips, is a little undersized, uh, but he's super, super scrappy. And he's a good athlete. He's got good ball skills. So Utah, Oregon is a, a game that I would soft circle uh, and, and just kind of keep my eye on if I were a Dolphins fan to look at, hey, what's a game that, that potentially offers a pretty good look at some talent uh, that the Dolphins might have a crack at when it's all said and done? I'd also look to uh, Ohio State, Maryland in the 330 slate. Obviously, Talia Tungavaloa plays. So, that if, if just from a, a Dolphins storyline perspective, if you want a good time, uh, Talia is, you know, he's playing pretty good ball this year. He's um, missed a little bit of time, but he, he's passed for over 2,000 yards, 14 touchdowns, um, significantly better than the guy who, who stepped in his place when he missed time. But this Maryland team. Uh, defensively, they got a couple guys that that really moved the needle. Jacorian Bennett is one. He it was just announced he's headed to the Senior Bowl. Uh, he leads the team in passes defense this year. Um, he's a pretty, uh, pretty thickly built corner. Well, if you like physical corners, Jacorian Bennett against Marvin Harrison Jr. And we'll see if Jackson Smith and Jigba plays. And, and Jackson Smith and Jigba for a really long time was mocked in the first portion of mock drafts. And, and I don't know that we'll get that version of him now because uh, he's missed so much time this year. But uh, regardless, uh, that, that's a good matchup for a corner that I, I think could be fun uh, in, in the Dolphins system uh, to Corey and Bennett. So there'll be fireworks in there. I'd expect Ohio State probably wins big just because that's, that's kind of what they do. Um, and then University of Miami Clemson is another one. Uh, that is at the 330 slate. And this will be the last one that I leave you with. But if you're looking for defensive talent to be able to watch, obviously Miami has not played well offensively this year. I think everybody would appreciate that amidst the, the hype for Tyler Van Dyke and um, what the expectations were with, with the new coaching staff coming in and they, they, are very much a middle-of-the-pack ACC team. It looks like we're going to have Clemson versus uh, North Carolina in the, the ACC championship game. And I know Miami laid a big fat egg against Florida State this year, so probably a lot of fans that are mutual Dolphins and and uh, Hurricanes fans that, that aren't really vibing with this team right now. And I understand it. You know, the, the A&M loss was ugly. The MTSU loss was unacceptable. Uh, Duke is quietly a better team than I think a lot of people realized. Uh, the North Carolina game was a tough loss, and you know these losses are coming at home. It stinks. They're at Clemson. Be interested to see how up they are for the game, but um, Miami does have talent. There's there's little Parrish is a fun player. 
Uh, Mallory's a, a fun tight end. I don't know that he's the, the answer at inline that you would really want or need in order to, to fortify your tight end room. Uh, defensive lineman Akeem Mesidor uh, is a name who he obviously leads the team in sacks. Uh, three passes defensed as well, batted down at the line of scrimmage. I do think that Dolphins would probably benefit from somebody long-term to take the Adam Butler role. You know, the this Sealer's taking more of the reps. Wilkins is taking the reps. But to get a player on a rookie contract who would be a cheap talent, um, I don't think it would be a bad thing to have another rotational pass rush guy inside uh, for the Dolphins. Uh, but then the Clemson, the Clemson side of this game is loaded with defensive talent as well. Um, some of their best offensive players really aren't aren't of concern for this year's NFL draft class. So they're not really on, on our radar for us in this conversation, thinking about what the dolphins have to figure out this upcoming off season and how they want to strategize well, adjusting and amending their team building strategy. Uh, but running back, Will Shipley, uh, he's a sophomore. He's got 12 touchdowns. He's averaging six yards a carry. Uh, he's somebody I would soft circle for 2024. Uh, if, if you guys have the palette for that, uh, and then they got a couple backers, uh, Trenton Simpson, I think might fall a little bit. Uh, he hasn't had the same impact with the Clemson losing Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator. Um, he, he hasn't had the same splash plays. He had like 12 and a half tackles for loss last year. He's one, one half a sack this season and three passes defense. So, uh, but he is very much the hybrid coverage walk up on the edge. He's kind of, he's got some parallels to Jerome Baker, but I think he's, he's probably longer and a little more explosive than Jerome. So again, that's one of those. Okay. If Simpson falls to the second round, just hypothetically, and the dolphins are in that position, they say, well, does it make sense to, well, with, with the contract extensions we're going to have in the next two years, are we going to be in a position where we need to transition away from a player like a Jerome Baker? If the answer that they have is yes, that would make Trenton Simpson a possible. So it just kind of changes your mentality a little bit where, you know, you're, you're so bred to, we have to draft for need. We have to draft for need. Yeah. But are you drafting for need now or, or is your roster at a place where you have to draft for need forecasting your needs? It's a very different mentality. And it's kind of fun because it puts everybody back into play. Like you could have told me last year what certain positions and I'd be like, there ain't no way they're drafting somebody there just because they, they have so many other needs across the roster. They have a pretty darn good balanced roster right now, especially if the corners are healthy. Speaking of the corners, I'll leave you guys with this. Um, swing on our draft dudes. Uh, my, the podcast I do for the draft network. I may or may not have had a chance to, to catch up with 2022 rookie UDFA corner cater Kohu. Uh, and we had a chance to talk a little bit about this Dolphin season. It was a really fun conversation. That's going to be running uh, later today. I was really gracious with his time. It was really appreciative of him being able to uh, carve out some time and talk with me over the phone. And uh, really impressive guy at Cater Kohu. So it's getting a chance to speak with him in person for about 15 minutes as I did. It's, it's not a surprise that he has made the most of the opportunity that he has uh, thus far this season. And I'm very excited to see what he does with it from here. So just throwing that out there, if you're interested in more Miami Dolphins content. So Kyle Krabs, make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. We power the pod tomorrow to close the week before we go into the bye week. 
and it's going to be a very non-stressful weekend of football. Uh, the Dolphins gave us a nice gift with a non-stressful game on Sunday this past week uh, that went in big against the Browns. So we'll take all the non-stressful weekends we can get because the Dolphins are going to be playing for keeps here down the stretch. And as a result, uh, I'd imagine there are going to be some gray hairs coming in for a lot of us. But uh, fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Thanks for checking out the show.